Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. This month, we started a new series called Making Money Moves. Making Money Moves. And with this new series, it, it's a... It's a really fun series to go through as we talk about money and church. And last week, our message was titled, Don't Be a Tool. And we talked about the idea of money controlling us and how to have liberty in, in our finances. Um, this week, we're, our message is, um, is titled, Don't Lie to Me. And I want to start off by asking a question. Do you think that concepts about money and church have been twisted? Do you think that concepts about money with inside church have been twisted? And with our topic about don't lie to me, the, ver- the first point I want us to talk about is concepts versus context. Concepts versus context. And the, the idea of this first point is for us to break the traditional concepts and false teachings about money in church by putting them into the proper context. It's like a, usually when we hear about money in church, it's this idea about like investment. If you invest in the kingdom of God, you're going to get a reward. And there's this like a, a, the word blessed has turned into a simply monetarily Christian term that I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be a blessing. It's all about me, 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 I, 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 about what I can get, what I receive because of my good works. And some, some really, uh, uh, a really popular um, message about money is given from this, this verse in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And it's this idea of like, pour out a blessing I can't contain. Anyone ever hear that before? And in the verse it says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Man, has anyone given like that, like to where you got that much back, to where you can't even contain it? it I, I feel like this verse is, when you look at, at it thinking money, it's like, man, well, then I might as well give everything if I'm going to just get back. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of, it's this like blessed mentality to where if we just give, 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 we're going to receive, receive, receive. And it's a selfish intention of giving. When we put this concept in the actual context, look at what the verse says right before. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. And then it says, Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you overflowing. What, so what it's talking about giving there is forgiveness. Saying if you give forgiveness to somebody else, you'll receive so much back, you won't be able to contain it. Well, wait a minute. Doesn't that make a lot more sense? Because the Bible says we cannot be forgiven unless we forgive. And so if we freely forgive others, it says that you freely give, then you shall freely receive more than you could ever contain. Well, the forgiveness of God is so much more than we deserve. It is running over. It is pouring into our lap. We can't contain the grace of God. See, doesn't that verse make a lot more sense when we put it in the actual context? Don't y'all agree? And, and so often we've traded an earthly reward when there's, so much, there's such a better one spiritually. 
I would much rather have forgiveness than money and an eternity. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Let's look at, at another, another idea. If you sow seed right now, you'll reap a reward a hundredfold. If you sow seed today, you're going to reap 30, 60, and a hundredfold. Anyone ever hear that? It's real popular on infomercials, right? Those, those church infomercials late at night. You've heard it at church before. If you just sow a seed, you're going to reap a reward 30, 60, and a hundredfold. The verse comes from Matthew chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus says, Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as it had been planted. And it's this idea, this is where this idea that if you invest into the kingdom of God financially, you're going to reap a reward financially. That you just got to invest in the kingdom. And I've heard so many different concepts about money and God and investment. I've heard of some people describe it as a, as a membership, like at Sam's Club, you get certain benefits when you pay for the membership. That's what it's like giving the, in church. Is it, get, it gets you on the membership side of the kingdom of God and it has certain benefits. And I just, these concepts just don't really line up with Scripture. Look at what Jesus says, what this verse is talking about later on. Just a couple of verses later, in chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 23, he's, he actually tells us what the verse is talking about. What he's talking about is an analogy. And he says, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 times as much as had been planted. He says the seed is the message of God, the message of the kingdom, the gospel message. And that the soil is people's hearts. And that the harvest is, is the spreading of uh, the gospel to others. Like the work done in somebody's life. Like if you're if you, uh, being brought to repentance, that is the fruit that he's talking about. That you are so much different, better off once you came to God and once you allowed the seed to grow in your heart compared to when he first found you. Doesn't that make a lot more sense? Isn't that a lot more meaningful? Because it's like, if for, uh, use me as an example. When the message was planted in my heart, now I'm a pastor and I bring other people to Christ. And so I'm bearing fruit. I'm bringing other people to Christ. And so then you see 30, 60, and 100 fold. While others, they can hear the message and they might bring one person to Christ. It's so fruitful. It's, or they'll bring 30. Some people bring more than others. And it describes how other people won't bring anybody else at all. See, the, it, when we look at the context, it makes a lot more sense. Don't y'all agree? And this idea is, is misleading concepts just simply don't add up to the context. And although the Bible does talk about generosity and how God does reward a cheerful giver, we have concepts so exaggerated and taken out of context that it leads us down a path of greed, of selfishness, and of simple foolishness. And the only way to battle this is by knowing it yourself through reading the Bible yourself. Why don't we already know about this stuff? Because we haven't read it ourselves. You know when I really realized that these verses weren't talking about money? It was like six years after I became a Christian of reading the Bible every day. And all of a sudden, one day I realized, wait a minute. God, God's not even talking about money here. And I'm not saying that I was duped all that time into giving. I always, when I give, I love giving generously and cheerfully. 
But I was just, I was just blown away. Like, wait a minute, I've never heard this verse described about forgiveness. I've only heard about it talking about money. I've never heard this verse talking about fruitfulness. I've only heard it talking about money. Why is that? We, we, have, we have traded something so good for something so ordinary. Something so special for something so earthly. And look, look what it says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. It says, My people are destroyed from the lack of, no, of knowledge. People are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. God says, because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I will ignore your children. The more priests there were, the more they sinned against me. They have exchanged their glorious God for something disgraceful. It's talking about the priests of old who had no idea about who God really was and they're just, they're just trading spiritual stuff for earthly stuff. They were not being true priests of God. They were just doing, uh, they were just saying things and doing things for selfish gain. And he's talking about how you're cursed because you've led a whole, a whole country away from me by trading something so special, knowing God for something disgraceful. Doesn't that sound like us today? Doesn't it sound like a lot of church? Every time I invite somebody to church that's not already going, the most common response they give me is that they've been hurt by church or that they don't like church. Why is that? Church is something that's supposed to be so special. Church is supposed to be something that's meaningful, that makes you feel better. And so many people have had these horrible experiences. I believe it's not because they're just being petty. It's because we have failed as a church and being the, the, the real spiritual environment that we're supposed to be. We've made it so much about what we can get out of God rather than what we can do for God. Y'all dig what I'm saying? We've traded something so spiritual, good, for something so disgraceful, worldly, and, and something that will fade away. You know, talking about these concepts versus context. Again, there, there are scriptures where, uh, plenty of scriptures that talks about generosity. There are scriptures where Paul says, if you sow seed sparingly, you'll, you'll reap sparingly. But so many of these verses are talking about something so much more important. And, and it leads us to our next point, which is glory to glory. Look at your neighbor and say, glory to glory. That'll sound all sad now. <laughs> talking about glory to glory, I want to read y'all this verse in Romans chapter 12. Verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The desire of riches and fame is the little yeast that comes into our churches that spreads throughout the entire church. Jesus talks a lot about this little yeast that will permeate the whole batch of dough. You just need one small teaching to go throughout the entire church. You just need one bad seed to make all of them bad. And the world desires these things, this riches and fame. And yet now, so do we and our pastors. 
Church has become a place where we've traded something special and eternal for something ordinary and natural. And nowadays, even, even young leaders in the church are aspiring to be leaders simply so that they could have a voice. Simply so that they could be heard by others and share their opinions. It's not because they have this great desire to spread the gospel. It's because they simply think that they have better ideas than somebody else. And so many pastors and leaders and people in the church were aspiring so much for the riches of this world, for the fame of this world, that we're, we're trading something so special for something so ordinary. Now look, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that these mega churches in our country are bad. I, I would much rather go to a mega church than a smaller church because usually they do things a lot more excellent than a smaller church. How many times you've been to a smaller church and it feels like they just set up for church? Not like today, right? <laughs> Y'all chill out, all right? Y'all like, whoa. <laughs> Eat your own medicine, Homer. Calm down, okay? <laughs> How many times have you gone to a service and it, it just feels out of order? It feels like you don't know what to expect. You don't know what they're going to do that day. I mean, I like having consistency. And so, I, like I said, I'd much rather go to a mega church that has con consistency then a smaller church that usually has things like kind of wild and they're not running properly. But this, this idea that, that of fame and riches, it seems like that's a lot what's taught nowadays, isn't it? It's always about what you can get. It's always about how can you be the best you? I mean, isn't, don't you feel like church is supposed to be more about Jesus than it is about ourselves? Isn't like self-help kind of like an oxymoron when it comes to Christians? Because we're, it's not about being the best we that, me that I could be. It's about simply lifting up Christ in my life. And we've made it so much about our works and so much about what we can do and, and what we can get out of things that we have lost the simple idea of following Jesus. All you have to do is follow Jesus. And... When it comes to money in the church, we have to see that the Bible shows a transcendent idea and concept of wealth being more valuable eternally rather than materially in the covenant of Christ. Let me read y'all a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 through 11. This is Paul talking. He says, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, talking about being a Christian apart from the Old Testament, Apart, under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life, if the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? What Paul is talking about is before Christ and after Christ. Before Christ, the way that we would have our sins forgiven is through the sacrifice and blood of animals. The new way, we are eternally forgiven from one simple sacrifice that was greater than any sacrifice that could be made, and that's through Jesus Christ. And so he's talking about how the old way is constantly of condemnation. We are constantly having to be forgiven over and over. Every sin you'd make you'd have to make a sacrifice for. While now, 
Our sins are covered under the blood of Jesus. So we're not having to yearly go up and make a sacrifice for 2018 sins. Y'all dig what I'm saying? So he's saying that there's so many more benefits than just simply being forgiven. That even now, because we are eternally forgiven in Christ, we're able to have the Holy Spirit live in us. Before, because of the way spiritual things go, we couldn't have the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwell in us because we would have to be forgiven. And the Holy Spirit would leave and come back and leave come back every time. But God, when he, when he died on the cross for us, He made a covenant to where now the Holy Spirit lives in you and stays there. It isn't just, it's not a gas station where you have to get fueled up every time. It lives in you. And so he's saying, if the old way was glorious, he's saying it is glory. All the miracles that God did to the Israelites and all that he showed and how he brought up a, a people out of nothing. He created an entire nation from a bunch of nobodies. And, and he's saying that way was glorious, but how much more glorious is the way in Christ? And in the Old Testament, we see how God rewarded those who, who followed after him. When we look at Abraham, David, any of the patriarchs of our faith, God blessed them monetarily. They received a, an abundance of, of what was in sheep, goats, cattle, whatever. And their, their house was blessed. And you could see it physically on this world. But when you look at the disciples, the foundations of our faith, the pillars of our faith, Every single one of them was martyred, except for John. And he was left exiled, left for dead. And so it, you see Paul, he talks about how he's learned to live with a lot and a, with a little. He never talks about consistently having great wealth. He talks about how he's freely received and he's freely had nothing. <laughs> it, the, the, but yet they had so, something so much greater than what the people had before. They were so much more honored than the people before. See, the, it shows the transcendence of value, what valuable our wealth is, where we find our value when it comes to our wealth. For it is earthly, and the new covenant of Christ, it's eternal. Earthly fades away. I'm, haven't you ever had a good amount of money before and you felt good and then a couple months later you had nothing? You ever have a nice car and then you get in a wreck and it's a, not a nice car? See, everything in this world will eventually corrode and fade and cease to exist. Yet our, the things that we have eternally, spiritually, that, those are things that you can't take away. Even, even the simple idea of what we have on earth from from our commitment to Christ. Peace. Peace. Man, can you remember what your life was like before Christ? How stressed out you were all the time? How angry you were all the time? How much you just, you can't even, you have to go out that night because you can't take how bad the day was. But when you have Christ, you're able to have so much peace. To I, Myself as an example, I used to drink and smoke every day. But now that I have the peace of Christ, I don't need to do that stuff. The peace of Christ is something so great, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. I don't need the things I used to need before. That's what it's like in the wealth of God. It's transcendent. We go from glory to glory. 
Now, let me talk to you guys about intention. Intention. Look at your neighbor and say intention. Intention. Kind of feels like tension in the room, right? (laughs) When it comes to intention, we're talking about imprinting the idea that the intention of our giving matters more than what we're giving. The intention of our giving matters more than what we're giving. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. But the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Someone point out your heart and say, my heart. My heart. Yeah, there we go. I used to teach kids church before. (laughs) God cares about your heart. And so when we think even about the first point, this concept of giving to receive, that's that's like going out with somebody only because you're lonely. You're, you're only with that person because you're lonely. You only stay with that person because you don't want to be alone. You don't really want to be with that person. You don't really care for that person, but you don't want to be alone. So you stay with them. Is that a healthy relationship? Let me make it easy for you. No, it's not. It's not. Think about a, a young couple where a guy convinces a girl, sleep with me, I'll stay with you. See, he has an intention of only wanting to fulfill his own passions and desires. And he uses her to get it. That's an unhealthy relationship. And yet that's what we do with God. Say, God, I'll, I'll follow you if you bless me. I'll pray to you if you help me win the lottery. <laughs> it's a selfish thing that we have within us that says give to me and I'll give a little bit back to you the intention is all wrong it's all wrong and God's no dummy he knows our hearts the Bible tells us that our hearts are are overwhelmingly wicked and deceitful you notice that you could do even a good thing but it be for selfish desires you ever felt guilty before for doing something good, but you only did it because you, had, you knew that you were going to get something out of it? And after you did it, someone's like, man, that was so generous of you. Thank you so much. That, oh my gosh, you are such an amazing person. And you almost feel like ugly inside. You're like, well, you know, it's not a big deal. But you already know that you only did it because someone paid you like money to do it. <laughs> you're doing it out of own personal gain, but someone thought you did it selfishly. Selflessly, selfishly, <laughs> so fleshly, play on words, right? <laughs> Our intention matters to God. And that's why so many people get frustrated when they are generous because they're, ex- they're expecting to get a hundredfold back and don't get it. It just doesn't work like that. It, the truth is we, we, God does bless us like even monetarily. Yeah. But it's usually when we're not expecting to get that. It's when we least expect it that God blesses us. But when we're sitting there waiting for it, we're like, what the heck? God, you said you would bless me. Give me victory. You notice that all of these, so many songs that we sing, people are singing out of this desire to get something back from God. 
If you think about like all the times I said, I just need God to bring me victory. Like I know that he gave me a promise and he's going to fulfill the purpose within me. But it's not his purpose. It's your purpose. It's not his promise. It's a promise that you want. It, it's all about me, 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 I, I, I. The intention is all wrong. We need to check our motives and intentions because it means all, to be able to do that, we have to be transparent and honest with ourselves and even with others. Let me read you all a couple verses. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, it says, As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Guys, we, we need to check our hearts. And, and I know that we're, we're talking about money this whole month. And we're today, we're talking about these concepts of money within the church that have wicked intentions. I mean, isn't it crazy that we've turned something so selfless into something so selfish? You think about generosity, that is a selfless thing. And yet somehow we have twisted it to be something that is all about us. Y'all get what I mean? It's messed up. And, and we really need to do a heart check. And, and imagine if, if your prayer life, your your your, your worship was, instead of about, God, how can you better my life? How can you help me? How can you do better with me? If it would turn into about being about others. Imagine instead of saying, God, bless me. I, give, me give me this. Give me that. If you're saying, God, bring, that, bring my family to salvation. God, set this person free. My coworker is always rude to me, but God, I want you to bring him to Christ. I want you to soften their heart. Wouldn't your prayers be a lot more productive? I feel like that's why we feel like God doesn't answer our prayers is because they're so selfish and the intentions are all wrong that God's not going to just answer that. It's not healthy. If your kid, if you have a kid that's always asking for candy, are you like, yeah, mijo, just go ahead and eat all the Hershey's bars you can. You just pour out three bags of sweet tarts and say, go to town. Do whatever you want. No. You... It's almost like the more that they would ask for candy, the less you'd give it to them because you'd see how addicted they were to sugar. See, doesn't that make more sense when God refuses to bless us, bless us, bless us because we're addicted to greed? We've traded something good for something evil. What I think at the end of the day, what, what our hearts need to come to when it comes to intention, when it comes to money, when it comes to anything is that we need to come to a place of surrender. A place of surrender. And I think one of the best stories that, that, that deal with surrender is in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny, tiny part of their surplus, but she, 
poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. What's so meaningful about this story is that Jesus doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the quality. He cares about the heart. And like, I, like I've been saying, I'm not trying to... I, I believe that we as a church need to be united with all churches. That Jesus said, how, how will you be known is by, uh, that you are my disciples is by how you love one another. The church is supposed to be united. This message isn't for us to be critical of other, other churches or other preachers that, that have a, a, a message that sounds like, uh, like the opposite of what we're saying today. We should always look for the things that unite us rather than divide us. But what I'm getting at is that there's a spot here where Jesus is saying that out of all the people that we're giving, I mean, have you ever been at a church where you go up to the front to give in your offering? Here, I mean, we just have a little station in the back. But if you've ever gone there and, and there's just a little bucket, people are going up to this bucket in front of Jesus. And I mean, how awkward is that? I mean, imagine if I was just waiting by the giving station for you to come by. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you swipe in your card, your debit card. And I'm just looking at how much you're giving. And it's like, oh, okay. I, I don't know if Jesus is making comments like that, but <laughs> imagine like, oh, hmm, wow. <laughs> but Jesus is right there at the offering bucket while everybody is coming and giving their offering. Super awkward. And this lady... Imagine how humbled she felt giving only these two coins and feeling like, man, Jesus probably doesn't think that I'm giving anything. And Jesus is like, oh, shoot, guys, come over here. See her? She gave more than everybody else. And you know what I like to imagine? I, I, I like to use my imagination, don't you guys? I like to imagine that all the people that were giving the big amounts or the people like, God bless me, bless me, bless me, give and you shall receive, amen, hallelujah. And that this lady that came up with her two coins saw all that Jesus was doing for the kingdom of God and said, I want to further that mission. I want to make a difference in what I can do. I don't have much, but I want to be a part of making a difference. And she saw the opportunity to just simply put any kind of provision in Jesus' ministry because she saw the people that were, that were healed, delivered, set free. And she said, man, i got to be a part of that. So when she gave in her two coins, there was not a selfish gain in her heart, but it was a selfless motive to simply give of herself to benefit somebody else because she saw the vision of Jesus. She saw the potential of what the kingdom of God was. While others might have just gave, gave to get something back, she had a surrendered heart. And with that being said, I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And this idea of surrender is meaningful, is special. And I want you to, to ask yourself where your heart is. Where's your heart when it comes to God? Where's your heart when it comes to church? When it comes to others? Do you find yourself always praying for what you can get? 
you feel like you could honestly, confidently say, I'm surrendered to God. I'm surrendered to Jesus. If you're here today and you want to make that that decision to be surrendered to Him, so we're just like this, this poor widow, you're willing to give all that you have to Him. I'm not talking about emptying your bank account, but I'm talking about emptying your heart. Giving all that you are to Jesus and putting your trust in Him. With every eye closed and head bowed, if that's you here today, I want you to just simply raise your hand. Amen. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Because the Bible says it's so simple that all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He rose from the dead, and you shall be saved. If you just start there, it's, a, it's starting a journey of having a relationship with Him. And so if you've already given your life to Christ, or you want to do that today for the first time, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to You. I want to put my trust in You. I want to put my hope in You. I believe You're the Son of God, that You died on the cross for my sins, and that You rose from the dead. I want to empty myself to You. I want to trust You. I surrender to You. Be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.